1: 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6
2: on 6.30 Chad. Well,
1: what a thriller last night. Just as I signed off the show at 8 o'clock, Canada and the United States were going to overtime, and Mary Philippe Poulin would win it for Canada. And one of her teammates who celebrated a gold medal as a member of the Canadians women's team is on the line right now. We welcome Natalie Spooner to Inside Sports. Natalie, you're on with Reed. I know you get interviewed all the time. I I did talk to you at the intermission of an Oilers game uh, a few years ago, and I think you've been on the show before. Congratulations. Thanks a lot for checking in. How are you feeling? I'm
3: feeling awesome. I mean, a little bit tired from all the celebrating last night, but, I mean, to get that win, it was amazing.
1: Well, just incredible drama. Tell us about your view of the game-winning goal. Did you think it had gone in? Because, obviously, it needed to be quickly reviewed there.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. When, once Mary like celebrated, we got to the bench, and I think the video comes up on the bench pretty quick. So we were like, okay, it's gone, and we just gotta wait it out until you know they're able to to review it. And, uh, and when that that horn went off, we all just like jumped on the ice and got there as quick as we could to the goalie.
1: Uh, what I mean, what's, we've seen three-on-three three overtime in the National Hockey League now for several seasons. It ends after five minutes. At the international level, there are three-on-three three overtimes that can last a lot longer than that. I think there were only two whistles in the game last night, if I remember correctly. What's it like playing three-on-three three at that tempo and for that length of time, and especially with the World Championship on the line?
3: Yeah, I mean... It's definitely fast-paced. There's a lot of space on the ice, too, to create plays. So you got to possess the puck a lot more. But, I mean, I think, you know, we did a great job. And, um, I mean, that pass by Jenner and who to find that space and um, to get that goal. I mean, I think that we played that three-on-three perfectly and um, were able to execute. So, I, I mean, I think for us, we enjoyed the three-on-three and not having to go to a shootout. <laughs> um, so, hopefully, we can just do that more often.
1: Yeah, I, I think the uh, Canadian fans enjoyed not having to go to a shootout, <laughs> shootout as well. Uh, absolutely. The, the game last night, I mean, you're down 2 nothing. you know, relatively early, just past the halfway point of the first period. And then, um, you know, I, I, I thought, I think most people would say you were the better team over the final 40 minutes. Tell us about responding to maybe not the start that you were hoping for.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this team, I think we were built different. We obviously had some rough starts earlier on in the tournament, but we always stuck with it and um, had, you know, huge second periods and, and good third periods. So we knew that really if we just stuck to our game plan and stuck to, you know, what we were each good at, uh, we had a chance of coming back. And um, I think, you know, it showed in, in that same game, we kind of were able to take over the game, keep pressuring on, get more pucks in net, try to take away the goalie's eyes and, and get some tips. So
1: um,
3: I thought we kind of followed, you know, what our, what our game plan was, um
1: and it paid off for us tell me about the uh, atmosphere at the tournament like a lot of athletes over the past year and a half or so you had to play in front of a very very small crowd i mean there's basically you know some family into the game so not obviously the vibe and energy that you would mm-hmm. usually get at a world championship or in a gold medal game uh, did that take some adjusting or what was it like
3: for sure. I think the, the, the biggest moment was the very first game when we came out for warm-ups and it was like completely silent on the ice. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is kind of what it's going to feel like. But then it kind of became normal and I think through, you know, the quarters and the semis and the finals, our fans really stepped it up a lot. The limited number of, of family that we could have in the building, um, they really brought it So. I mean, we could only have 80 people, I think it was, but it, it felt like a lot more at that point.
1: All right. Um, how, how's your... Uh, who was that that fell at the end in the celebration? How's she doing?
3: Blair, she's doing okay. She's a tough cookie, so, yeah, she's hanging in there.
1: Okay, <laughs> that's that's very good to hear. <laughs> you know, it was... Uh, and I know you, you won an Olympic gold uh, back in Russia in 2014. You do have a world championship gold. Um, but, you know, at, at the World Championships, it, it hadn't gone your way since 2012. Was that, mm-hmm. was that like, forefront in the team's mind? Did it create some pressure? Or how did that affect the team, if at all, going into this tournament?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always in the back of your head that, like, man, we, we want to win one. Like, every time we go in, we want to win. But, if, you know, the last two years has been tough because we haven't even had the chance to play because, you know, COVID and all the cancellations. So... I think really just you know we were kind of reflect and step back and really practice on what each of us needed to bring and um i thought we did that this tournament we just you know we didn't have to do too much extra but whatever was the thing that you need to do in this tournament to be good um we did that and uh, it was just so nice to get that win obviously it's been you know a lot of years since 2012 that we've won a world championship so i think for our team it's, it, it gives us a lot of confidence and i mean i can't like throughout the tournament there was you know, not one ounce of doubt. I think in our, our brains, we had so much belief in our team, and we were having so much
1: fun that um, we, you know, we just knew we could do it. I, I would like to know your perspective of the rivalry with the, the with the United States, Canada, U.S. <laughs> at, at, at women's international hockey. It's been going on basically since the early '90s. You're in almost every gold medal match at every tournament. I know I have talked to some players from past eras who have said, like, yes, like, true, genuine hatred. Like, you absolutely Mm -hmm. could not stand players on the other team. I also know the hockey world is a small one. Canadian and American Mm -hmm. players may play professionally together. They may have gone to the same university, uh, things like that. How would you describe the the rivalry? Is it genuine hatred?
3: I would say it's genuine hatred once we're on the ice, for sure. Like, as soon as you put on that jersey, like, it doesn't matter who the other person is across from you. Obviously, we have played with some of the players and – uh, with the pwhpa and you know i fighting for a professional women's we've got to know someone pretty good because we all kind of have that common goal but as soon as you put on your canada jersey and you just know the history and i think the biggest thing is you know how it feels to stand on that blue line and to hear not your anthem uh and it, there's really like not a worse feeling in the world so i think that that is like such a motivator and uh, really kind of feels that hatred
1: all right uh so What's next? I mean, you guys going to get ready for the Olympics now and mm-hmm. <laughs> go through another yeah. high-pressure tournament. What's coming up here for you in the fall?
3: Uh, well, today we just moved out of the hotel and into our other residences in Calgary, and then we'll get a week off, and then we're right back at it, um, training with the team, and I kind of call it centralization, where we all live in Calgary for the year uh, and get to train and, and play as a team, which is super exciting, because normally for world championships, we're together a few weeks before, but now we get... You know, a whole five months to train together and to really build that chemistry um, and getting ready for
1: the Olympics Alright, and, and Natalie thanks for doing this, I, I know it's been a, a, a crazy last 24 hours for you, so thanks for fitting us here on Inside Sports, you're always welcome to come on the show I'm just going to leave mm-hmm. it with this, on a total fluffy and positive note, a lot okay. of people are listening, I hope who watched the game, watched you guys in the tournament, and, and were thrilled to see the result last night, what do you want to say to the Canadian hockey fans?
3: Uh, thank you for supporting us and for watching and um, hopefully you can keep watching us not just when it's you know world championships and olympics but keep supporting women's sports and women's
1: hockey right on well said natalie congratulations enjoy this victory and i hope you do it again at the olympics (laughs) thanks so much that is natalie spooner kicking us off on inside sports tonight gold uh, gold medalist at the Women's World Hockey Championship. Thrilling game last night. Great shot by Poulin to end it. And uh, great to have her on the show. Thanks to Hockey Canada for, uh, for setting that up as uh we were we were hoping to get somebody and we didn't know until just before the show that we were indeed so we're happy that we're able to bring that to you it's six fourteen. thanks a lot for checking out the show tonight natalie joined us on the hotline powered by certainty professional grade building materials we do have a lot to get to tonight the edmonton elks back to work you'll hear-
3: hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news
1: all right good to have you tuning in tonight awesome to have natalie spooner world champion from the canadian women's hockey team kicking off the show tonight the edmonton elks getting back at it the edmonton elks will play in calgary on monday 12 30 for the countdown to kick off, and the game will start at 2:30. As the Elks try to snap an eight-game Labor Day losing streak, the uh, news for the Elks yesterday: offensive lineman Jacob Ruby released for violating COVID protocols. Head coach Jamie Elizondo comments on that release.
2: The real easy answer is, and it's summed up in, in really in a couple words: put the team first in everything you do, and so those are that's how we go about with our decision-making process. That's what we need to do better as a as a team, and that's really you know where our focus is is just focusing on what's the most important thing for our team because the team will always come first.
1: All right, a little bit there from Jamie uh, Elizondo. Not not really offering too many details on there. So thirteen players uh, tested positive after coming back from Vancouver. So what is the deal, Coach Elizondo? Will those players be in or out on Monday?
2: Yeah, there's a group of guys that are that will be out for the game, and there's a group of guys that. We still will have to hear back on. Uh, most of them have cleared their 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 t- ten day COVID window, you know. But there's a process, and let's not forget we're dealing with a, a a high level disease here, right? And you can't simply come out of this and say everybody's affected so differently. Uh, some guys don't have any symptoms, didn't have didn't feel anything. Some guys that come out of this, you know. They may have respiratory issues coming out of it that you don't uncover until six, seven days down the road, right? So everybody's on a different timeline as it depends on this disease. So there's gotta be some fluidity on our part. Uh, we won't know what the final roster looks like probably until day three. Um, and we've gotta be prepared to handle it, you know, in a, in a number of multiple directions because it affects you uh, on the American side, on the global side and on the on the national side. So. It's just going to have to be some fluidity, but um, you know, as they come out of quarantine, there's a process that we put them through to make sure that uh, they don't have any lingering issues or lingering effects because it is a respiratory illness. When you when you cut to uh, cut through through all of it, and so we want to make sure that their their health and safety is first.
1: All right, now it'll be more of an actual practice tomorrow, uh, more just kind of stretching in meetings today. Uh, but it it did appear, uh, you know, in touch with Morley Scott and Dave Campbell that Darrell Walker and Shai Ross were not on the field. We will get an injury report tomorrow. There obviously could be other reasons why players wouldn't participate today, so uh, we will have to wait and see what happens there. We we've speculated on this show. We we had Eddie Steele on the show last week, who isn't that far removed from playing for, for the team, and, and he said it. I still know guys, and he said, you know, I, I think there could be some issues in the locker room here um what is going on uh jamie elizondo was asked about potential divisions in the room today
2: it's not a concern i think we have a group of guys that are not afraid to voice their opinions this thing polarizes everybody so i think everybody has a different opinion on it i've talked to the leaders of the group multiple times we have a leadership council i've asked them about the the if they felt there was splintering they've done their due diligence to talk to guys and they said coach it's not an issue i don't we don't even see it, so we don't even hear anything like that. So I feel pretty good about where they were, and based on how they came out today, you wouldn't have gotten that sense in the slightest. So I don't think that's an issue.
1: All right, and David Beard, offensive lineman for the team, also commented on potential strife in the locker room.
2: Not not trying to be uh, disrespectful by any means, but it seems like the, a lot of that divisive um, uh, narrative is coming more from the media side of things. I know in our group. The guys that i've been able to speak with uh throughout this kind of whole lockdown here we we recognize uh how unfortunate this is as players as a club as a team um so we're not we're not really uh we're not in the business of pointing fingers around here like that's not that's not that's not the message that we're receiving as as players and um uh yeah as athletes we're, we're we just understand how, how important these protocols are and we're moving forward with them so the, and, like I'm just being honest that the divisive narrative is I've seen personally more so in the media than in the actual locker room itself.
1: All right. Well, we'll see. I, I mean, I think that's what David Beard should say. Uh, I can only tell you what Eddie Steele told me and other sources have perhaps indicated to me over the last week and a half. It, I mean, I hope they go out and and win regardless of what's happening or isn't happening uh, in the dressing room as a result of this COVID situation and uh, losing that game against, uh, I shouldn't say losing the game against Toronto, but uh, having it postponed, likely to be rescheduled. We may know the new date for that within a couple of days. Uh, Jamie Elizondo also commented on, uh, he was asked, how do you get more buy-in when it comes to the vaccination rate on the team?
2: We obviously want the highest possible rate to protect our team. Um, At the same time, if it was easy for me or any other leader to influence the impact and convince guys to, um, you know, take the take the vaccine, we wouldn't be having this global pandemic. Um, So ever since the beginning, we've encouraged guys to make their own decision. They have to understand now the impact of not being vaccinated and what it means both financially okay, and number two, what it means to the team and number three, what it means to this league. And so I think our guys are trending and understanding that a little bit better. Um, Obviously we wanna try to send the message in the right way. At the end of the day, it's an individual choice that we cannot force, but we are trying to close every gap that we can on the educational process and the understanding of the implications if we don't hit that threshold, or if we don't hit 100%, you know? And so um, that's that's been a continued emphasis, but at the end of the day, again, it's a very personal decision. For some people, it matters more significantly than others. And um, the last thing I'll say on that is, it's not always what it seems. So it's not always that people just simply don't want to get vaccinated.
1: It's been a debate in the world of sports. How should teammates act? What should attitudes be towards vaccination? You're trying to play games. You're trying to win games. You want to be healthy. You don't want want postponements. You don't want forfeits. Ian Herbers from the U of A Golden Bears, the head coach of the hockey team, was on Inside Sports last night, and I asked him about his team being vaccinated.
4: Well, the group's been very committed on that front. Uh, Coaches and all the players and staff have all been double vaccinated and are fully covered. Um, We know we're a group, we're a team, we're a family, and so we look after ourselves. The things we do away from the rink will affect the rest of the group, so we try and be as careful as possible. Uh, But the big thing is just making sure we're healthy, getting that rest, the food, the proper nutrition, and everything else. Uh, and then our workouts and staying active and physical, just that healthy lifestyle has been uh, helps out a huge, huge amount.
1: And also Blake Dermott, our Elks analyst and a former member of the Green and Gold, was on last night, and he uh, has this attitude towards uh, the vaccination rate of the Elks of pro athletes and why it should be 100%.
0: You can't use the number of the provincial average because because this is a specialized this is something completely different to that this is an average players average people making average salaries these are high profile athletes that are are uh, uh, of a specific skill set and there should be nothing but 100 percent of a team like I, I could even see and i don't know if this is going to happen i mean chris, chris Preston is, is uh, and and brock sunderland are are, are going to be running this franchise the way they want to but I mean, I, when I first heard this, I was, I was quite angry about it. I was almost to the point where, you know, I would be saying, well, if you're not vaccinated, then you're not playing for us because I've got to have somebody here that I can count on and, uh, and releasing uh, unvaccinated players and bringing in players that are vaccinated and getting them here for two or three weeks to bring them up to speed. Um, I could see something like that happening as you get into October when you've got guys that can't play because they're not vaccinated. They're going to see, you know, and and here's the thing. This isn't about, you know, you making a choice because you still have the ability to make a choice. You can choose to be unvaccinated. You can choose to be vaccinated. If you choose to be unvaccinated, then you choose to go work someplace else but not play football.
1: That is Blake Dermott. Gene Principe coming up next on Inside Sports. Today, the game is Monday in Calgary, and uh, neither team off to a great start. The Elks are 1-2, and two, the Stamps now 1-3 and three after losing on a missed field goal on the last play of the game in Winnipeg on Sunday. So you got the 4th and 5th place teams in the West Division playing each other. Not often the case when these two clubs meet on Labor Day. 12.30 is the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Chet, on Monday, is the start of the game. Dave Morley, Eddie Steele, Blake Dermott, all part of our broadcast crew. And then the rematch is Saturday, September 11th. We've been talking a lot about the vaccination policies for our uh, arenas and stadiums here. Rogers Place, it'll start with the Oilers' first regular uh, preseason home game. On September 28th, you have to be fully vaccinated or have proof of a negative COVID test within 48 hours uh, of before the start of the game. For the Elks, nothing this month. It won't start until October where you have to be vaccinated or have proof of the negative COVID test to get into a game. Crazy stuff. uh, But uh, they are going to, they are going to play here. So uh, yeah, we will see how this uh, plays out and how the Elks perform on Monday after this unexpected time off in their schedule. It's, you know, it's, it's it's certainly the debate of the day. It's not always an easy one to have. It can get people riled up about vaccinations, not vaccinations. But I, I think, you know, Ian Herbers, I replayed the clip he gave us last night and said the Golden Bears hockey team, the coaches, the staff for the team, everybody is together. Everybody's looking out for each other. They want to play the season. So everybody's been vaccinated. And as Blake Dermott said, if you're playing pro sports, you're you're doing something very specialized. And that's why Blake counters what Chris Preston said with his comment. Chris Preston said, well, we're over 80% with with one needle. As of a few days ago, they were around 80% fully vaccinated. That's higher than the Alberta average. That's higher than the national average. Blake would say, if you're playing pro sports, you have a different type of job you have a different type of livelihood and you have a different responsibility to the people around you, which is why he says uh, that that number to Blake isn't good enough. And and I've got some feedback from some of you that it's not good enough either. Anyway, the Elks are are, are getting ready to play. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This next gentleman who's going to join us on the show has been celebrating since July 11th when Italy won Euro. In penalty kicks over England. Sportsnet's Gene Principe <clears throat> is on the line. Hey, Gene.
4: Hey, Buonasera. I've watched Godfather 74 times since then. <laughs> just, just to stay in the mood.
1: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, not, not to keep going with stereotypes or anything. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I think it's okay if I do it, right? I, I don't know yeah, what's oh. okay anymore. I think it's okay if I make fun of or categorize myself, but I don't know if someone else could do it, so I... I, the world you know well listen to you talking about vaccinations on a sports show right i mean things are uh things are changing and it's been uh well I don't know if it's been, well for the elks it's been a bit of a mess and i uh I don't know the details you guys are the uh the flagship station for the uh, elks, but who's who's the kid now that the CFLs uh won't let won't let him work uh the, the Ola- yeah, okay, so Wait, help me out a bit here. And and I haven't, I have kind of picked away at it a bit. I'm off. But did he go for, did he go for a massage or what did he do that was-
1: No, his, broke- his, no, no. He, we don't know if he's the guy that went for the massage. The, the oh. what Dave Naylor from TSN reported, and I also heard okay. from somebody yesterday yeah. that he misrepresented his vaccination status. And then when he, he then when he was asked to prove it, Uh, he couldn't, didn't, didn't have the documentation. And, uh, that, that's, that's what's out there right now.
4: Okay. That's a little more because I was putting two and two together and getting about three and a half and three and a quarter. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, this young guy, uh, as we saw in the NHL, right there, there were mistakes made people sort of, you know, broke protocol Um, and games were cancelled and moved and and, and it went through the Canucks obviously quite badly Uh, but I I, I thought trying to prevent the young man from making a living uh, was seemed I don't know, seemed like an old old way of approaching things but lying is a little bit different I would say Uh, but at the end of it I mean there's only you know where can you go play? He's not a plumber. He can't go work anywhere in Canada as a plumber. I mean, there's x amount of teams, and there's only a certain window. If you're playing football right now, you know Canada's the only place you're playing it. So um, I I hope that the you know that he has seen the error of his ways. Uh, but but I also kind of hope the CFL might I don't know might rethink that. I, I, I'm not sure, uh, it, not to sound like Jerry Springer here, but, you know, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And I know that, you know, a mistake was made, but to tell him he can't make a living playing sports seems seems a bit strong. But I don't know, Reid, where your listeners sit on that. But I just thought, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. And maybe I don't have enough details to, to have a full opinion, but that's the one I have to this point.
1: Well, and we'll see how what the Players Association has to say about this as well. Um, and, and I yeah. think that's why I, I think that's a big reason why there isn't a vaccination mandate within the Canadian Football League because the PA, yeah. uh, you know, has to represent everybody, which includes players who might say, uh, "I can't get it, I don't want to get it, I'm not comfortable oh, getting right. it," as well as representing the players who 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 do want to get it. The the, bo- the the bottom line is though. Well, for me, is that like you don't you don't want to lose games, like pro yeah. sports. I mean, yeah, yeah. You and I, you know, you and I are, are on the Oilers beat, and we cover the practices and all the news conferences and uh, all the free agency and, and trade deadline and, and all that kind of stuff. But really, it's the games, you know. But like, I think yeah. if you went to most fans and said, okay, um, you you can't get any off you 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 know you have a choice you can get all the off season and off day news but you can never watch the games they would say no i'll just watch yeah. the games and fill yeah. in the blanks as as I go along yeah. right so I,
4: yeah you know i just uh, you know it's it's a really interesting yet very personal and uh very important uh dilemma with these vaccines now i don't know reed i've been a little bit out of the loop has the nhl set a standard for players do, do we no. do they have to be okay as of yet now their season is you know around the corner and i'm sure it's something they've talked about um but when you go to work uh you you can't go to roger's place to wear cut-off jeans right they won't let like yet so i've never tried yeah well <laughs> i mean i've seen you in a pair of cut-off jeans but that's for another show i mean so we all i got to wear a suit when i'm on tv if i don't wear a suit then they're going to say, "Well, you you can't work." And if I can't work, then at some point they'll say, well, "Are you going to wear a suit?" No, I'm not. Well, then we have to find somebody else. And so I I don't like I understand you know this vaccination thing, uh, but but I but I <laughs> well I don't know if we're ever going to get to a point where we can kind of resolve it. Um, and you know, so uh, I I mean I'm double vaxxed, and I, I I honestly don't. Um, not that I don't care, but if my neighbor has one or none, I, I, I don't think that I would treat them extremely different. Uh, might, I, might I social distance a little bit more or be a little bit more careful? Possibly, but I wouldn't kind of give them in Italian, we say, oh, malocio, you know, the evil eye. Uh, you know, that that is his, his right. But if his employer says you got to have this, I don't know, these passports let's talk about Italy as a soccer I don't know why I decided to become a news person yeah, I,
1: I, 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 I'm surprised you dove into that uh, that heavily but but again that's that that's that's Blake Dermott's point yeah that you know in pro sports you do things for your teammates you follow rules for your teammates yeah and like I was saying if you don't play games you lose fan interest and in, in the the I mean, like we know last year, the CFL didn't play. I don't know if they could yeah. have survived not playing again this year. No, now, I don't you know, it's one so. game against Toronto. It's, it's going to be rescheduled. So, you know, the, that's all, but, but, but that's my point. Ultimately you have to look at it and say uh, players want to get paid. Fans want to have a product to, to, to watch. Yeah. So I think that's why I, I think that's why the vaccinations are, being pushed on the players, if you want to, if you want to use that word, and why they might be treated differently than people in other professions, or you and I might treat our neighbor, or not even care about our neighbor. Yeah,
4: right? yeah, yeah. I know, and you know, now that you mentioned it uh, Euro was not that long ago, June, July, and I have no idea whether those players were vaccinated. I mean, um, I, I, you know, they seemed to get through the tournament, and they had to travel the Euro this past summer was all over. It wasn't in just uh, one country. Uh, It was, you know, yeah, it was pretty much everywhere in Europe. And and as you saw on TV, uh, some stadiums were full, you know, 65,000 soccer fans, you know, uh, bottlenecked together. And then some were were spread out and it was, you know, half capacity. And that was, you know, countries that were next to each other. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what... I don't know where it's going, but I, I, I'm glad that the CFL is playing. I'm sorry that, you know, they missed out on a game uh, with, with Edmonton and, and Toronto. Um, obviously, they've, they've come to some, some new rules. So people that I've spoken to that have gone to the Elks have enjoyed themselves. They've loved uh, having an outdoor event again um, and it being a pro sports event. And I know people are getting excited about going indoors. Uh, you know, to watch the Oilers with with their, um, you know, set of mandatory uh, rules, which many of the teams are doing. So, yeah, it's a tough one, you know. It's a tough one. But uh, we got sports. Uh, we had Euro. We had Italy, Viva Italia. Uh, you know what? It's been fantastic to sort of get back into the sporting world. We got baseball we got local domestic soccer uh, as well as european soccer so it's been wonderful to see and it'll be nice to see hockey kind of get back uh to normal as well as normal as can be
1: all right i i, I do want to talk to you about uh italy i booked you until specifically 657 so we'll take yeah. a quick time out and then back with more Jean principate to have you tuning in tonight. Blue Jays lead the Orioles 4-2, that game in the bottom of the fifth. We got one of my all-time favorites, Gene Principe, on the line. Usually around this time of year, Gene comes in and does uh, a studio appearance on no. Inside Sports. So obviously, we're not quite there yet, but we got Gene on the line. for. Uh, I specifically told Gene he would be done by 6.57. So if he has yeah. something at uh, 7 o'clock, he'll be free to make that. Okay, so take me back to July 11th. Italy beats England in penalty kicks. What was your state of mind during that game?
4: Uh, it was a weird day because, Rita, I coach my daughter's team, Canadian um, uh, soccer, and uh, we're sponsored by, well, uh, I, I know you have other sponsors, an Italian store located in Little Italy that has now branched out to Calgary and has a new yeah, store in Trude Park, okay? I
1: think so, people have a good idea of okay. what that I is. Okay. You know, I wasn't
4: sure. I, you know, you do have <laughs> sponsors. So, uh, so uh, you know what? As soon as Italy won the semis, I saw what time our game was. And I knew that if Italy won semis, which I planned on them winning, I thought, it's right in the middle of it. So I called to try and cancel our game and, or you know postpone it, delay it, and they wouldn't do it. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So I watched the first half, and then I had to leave. And then I turned, I, I put my phone on airplane mode so I could time our halves, you know, 45-plus injury time. But I didn't want to get any updates, and then I stayed away Like, I could hear cheering kind of uh, around the fields. But with England playing, you know, there's lots of English fans as well. So, you know, I just kind of kept, I I just sort of just tried not to listen and hear or think about anything but the game we had. And amazingly, I never heard the score. And I came home and I didn't see, you know, I live where there's lots of Italians. I didn't see any celebrating. So I came home going, all right, let's see what happens. And uh, I knew that, the, you know, England scored right off the bat there, so I knew they were up 1 nothing. And then I, you know, I watched Bonucci and uh, watched the injury extra time and uh, watched Donnarumma uh, put on a show. He pulled a Stephanie LeBay there with uh, what he did in net, what she did for Canada's uh, women at the Olympics, he did for Italy at the Euros. And it was wonderful. You know, for me, uh, Reed, uh, you know, I don't want to get too serious, but I will for a moment. I lost both my parents over the course of 14 months and, you know, almost 90, almost 83. And this used to be, you know, I'd go to my mom and dad and we'd have some pasta. And some wine would be flowing for my dad and we'd watch the matches. And it was it was all part of my, you know, youth. And uh, it was, I was very um, sad in some ways because I, I didn't have my first time I didn't have my parents with me to enjoy something like this but i also thought you know they'd be cheering upstairs there and uh to be so happy to see uh italy win and i and i think um it was the first time that i ever approached a a a soccer event involving italy with such a sort of a deep understanding of uh, my parents and coming over on a boat and not having any jobs and not speaking the language and having no money and coming here for us, right? Um, it, I really, it got emotional on many different fronts for me, and um, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was wonderful, but it was uh, it was I guess deeper than a, a sporting event this time for me for a first time ever when watching Italy play soccer.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that, Gene. And obviously, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've talked to you about the loss yeah. of your parents and 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 things like that. So I, I do appreciate you sharing that. And and I that that's an important thing about watching sports, right? It ultimately, it is something you do with other people yeah. most, most of the time, whether it's family yeah. or friends or or uh, coworkers. It's something people can talk about. So so thanks for sharing that. that is, that is yeah. an extra special angle for sure. Uh, we do appreciate that. And yes, uh, I I live uh, about three blocks from oh, yeah. that story your story <laughs> you're mentioning and i certainly heard uh 95th <laughs> street uh come alive for several yeah. hours uh in in the wake of the italian victory which which is cool all right i mean we like, you know, I grew up in Canada and it's, uh, you know, NHL first. And then, you know, football's definitely number uh, two for me, but it's uh, like, it's an important reminder of the connections people have to uh, the countries they maybe lived in or, or grandparents or parents uh, came to Canada from, uh, or sometimes they just adopt a team (laughs) and make it their own. You
4: you are so right. And one of the things, if I ever have had Gary Bettman in front of me and, you know, I know they're headed to the Olympics, or we think they are. The NHL, we're not sure. But if, if they are, I love it. You know, like I, I taped um, uh, one of the national anthems. Of Italy uh, was playing in a in a opening round match, and I'm telling you, Reed, now I'm Italian and Italian Canadian, Canadian Italian, whatever someone wants to call me. You watch those guys sing that anthem, and I'm I don't know I know they're not going to war. I know, and I'm never gonna say you know. Oh, it's like a war. It's not because nobody, you know, God willing, nobody dies at a soccer match on the pitch, let's hope, unlike a true war. But the way they sing that national anthem, the way they look at each other, the way they look at that flag, the way the fans look and think about their connections to that country, got to play the anthem before matches, like at the Olympics or, or, you know, not not after when they win. Like, you can play it after if you want to, that's fine, but... I'm telling you, I, I you know I, I'm having a, a, a not a great day, or I'm thinking about ah uh, you know I'm I'm half blanking it. I'm like, and I watch the anthem, and I just see those guys, and I just think to myself, there's no way anyone on that team on that pitch. And you can take England, you can take Turkey, you know, pick your country. Like I'm not just saying it's Italy. You can pick your country, wherever you're from or whoever you cheer for, and they have just such a burning desire to represent that jersey, that color. The nation with everything they've got, and I just love that. It's such. To me, it just sets the tone for the match, for the event, for the fans, for everybody, and I, I I love it. Like I just think it's the way to go. You know, I know oftentimes it's after you hear the anthem, you don't hear it before, Uh, but I think you got to play it before, and that just reminds everybody what they're wearing why they're there, who they're there for, whether it's them, their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, somebody, somewhere, including those people wearing those uniforms, have made sacrifices to be where they're at. And I love that. I hear the music. It's the Academy Awards here. I got to go.
1: Yeah, it's almost 6.57. Gene, well said. That that was beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I look forward to seeing you around the rink as we get back into Oilers stuff in about three weeks, my man. Ciao, Paizan. Ciao. Bono Right on. That's Gene Principate, one of the all-time great guys from Sportsnet, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Two players who played for one of the worst WHL teams ever. We'll tell the story next. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.